what got you started with uh, writing on T Nation? Because I know you're pretty you're pretty popular on that website, which I do love. I love T Nation, by the way. I think it's great. I uh, I've read them, God, my entire career uh, yeah. since very early on. I absolutely love the website. So um, it started with a interest in writing in general. I write, wrote for my own website, which nice. got some attention from some of my industry friends. And that turned into connecting with one of the editors, Danny Sugart, who okay. turned around and invited me to write for them. Wow, that's awesome. Man, it's it's... Do you think that uh, T Nation does some things that are kind of different as far as you know rewording a lot of a lot of research that goes on in the fitness industry? Because it it makes sense to me whenever I kind of go through their articles, you know, just from because usually research can be pretty jargon heavy, you know. Well, consider the audience, right? It's written for yeah. a more general strength and bodybuilding audience. That's true. An important skill as a writer. So especially anything that's technical or research-based and turn it into something that's very accessible for the everyday person. Mm -hmm. It's also important to remember too, that T Nation is not a single-minded resource as much as it's a collection of different contributors. That's true. Many have different philosophies towards training and occasionally those can be a little contradictory and you have to dig through the nuance, approach it with a critical lens yeah. And realize not, I mean, I'll be honest, not every single person on there, I think, historically is someone that we should be paying a lot of attention to. And then I think there's I some agree. people who are such fundamental staples of fitness education. Eric Cressy is a very easy example as a classic yeah. one. And you pull from it the value that uh, you, you'll get value from it by approaching it. Mm-hmm. With your goals in mind and um you know hopefully again you have a critical lens in in through which you're reading what with your writings in particular what is kind of the common theme that you always try to get across to people with your articles is that what 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 do you try to communicate with people in a general way it, it depends on the audience okay uh, the stuff that i write for t nation is designed to give people useful useful usable tools or inspire training mm -hmm. um, to help them be stronger, right? To, to get them in the gym, to give them more to, to use. I've got a popular article, full body dumbbell workout that was downloaded, read, got over 300,000 times as nice. of like a few months ago, um, right in the first wave of lockdowns, because what happened, a lot of people were home and oh, many were to have just a few dumbbells if they were lucky to have any. So yeah. that was super popular. I actually wrote a second one as a follow-up with more ideas along the same lines. And again, it's it depends on the audience. I've written, uh, wrote for a while for True Coach, and most of that stuff mm -hmm. was very career-oriented, in which case I'm writing for other coaches. Sure. My social media is a mix of, you know, writing for other coaches and fitness enthusiasts. Um, and I've got some stuff that is, should be published in the near future from, for a couple of major fitness publications yeah. that, you know, is going to be written in part to a general slightly bodybuilding audience sure so yeah it, it entirely depends on the audience i always want to give someone something that is really valuable and either makes their training or their career or their life better well your um and it's funny kind of your mission statement from what i was reading kind of off your website is is your you know people get very confused with maybe how to start with any goal they've set before themselves. 
So it seems mm. like you kind of you want to make it easy for people to choose for themselves a a reasonable starting point or pick something that makes sense within the context of of their life, you know. The key to what you just said there is the fact that they're the ones choosing. Mm-hmm. So you can't force people to do things that they don't want to do. We have a we have a Big time. an unhealthy society. I do not want to beat on this too much because people weaponize this or turn it into political ideological Good point. narratives. But we have an unhealthy society mm-hmm. on average, mm-hmm. and it's led to a worse outcome with the events of the last year. Yeah. So. If we're going to get those people to make changes, mm-hmm. then we have to meet them where they are. Yeah. And sometimes that means people argue over the use of the word tone. Like people freak out and say, tone is not a thing. Trainers love to complain about it. Tone oh, is a fucking thing. It is, it, it is. is what the everyday enthusiast, beginner, person who's contemplating the beginning workout program, that's the language they understand. So if that's what it takes without being dishonest with your marketing, without lying to people, pro- over promising things that are impossible. Yeah. But give people tools to get them started and to help them when they are ready to begin. But you can make it more attractive to begin by being accessible, by mm. creating media or, or interpersonal interactions where someone says, I would really like to work with that trainer. I would feel comfortable starting in a gym if I were training with that coach. Yeah. Yeah. And and to your point, it's uh, nowadays with, or maybe it was kind of, kind of when Instagram gained its popularity with a lot of maybe cookie cutter programs. I feel as though people are so easily attracted to kind of the sparkly, shiny promise of, you know, losing weight quickly or gaining muscle quickly that, just seeing the simplicity of what you offer is kind of lost in translation. People don't see that as the way to go about fitness. They just see the shiny thing over here, you know, or the the, the thing that looks good. <laughs> it's a fundamental human desire mm-hmm. to go for extreme things in a lot of cases. They either are looking for shortcuts and hacks, or mm-hmm. they're looking for extreme answers or oversimplified answers to complex problems. Weight loss, getting stronger building muscle are all complex, multifaceted problems sure. that intertwine with people's lives, right? their, their ability to devote time to it, uh, you know, getting them off the couch, that sort of stuff. And oftentimes, the, you know, some of the fantasyful stuff you see on social media the quote influencer stuff. And I, and, I, and I will preface this by saying I hate complaining about or maligning influencers. I'll sure. come back to that in a second. Sure, sure. But this, there's a lot of promised gimmickry mm-hmm. and a lot of short, you know, easy solutions. Mm-hmm. And then the average person craves simple answers. They want easy fixes to weight loss, to, to building muscle. Yeah. And so I understand why people go for that. And I understand why marketers appeal to what people want what i hope ends up happening is people are not duped or or, you know do anything that's harmful to themselves or taken for their money Mm -hmm. and fairly quickly if they fall under the sway of this type of marketing or or diet ideology they quickly find their way to someone more credible more with more integrity who helps get them on the right path and that person despite fumbling around a little bit is ready to get serious about it and see actual lifestyle change. So I think some of this 
negative stuff we like to malign mm-hmm. can at times serve as a gateway to something better i mean i, I don't oh, that's also crossfit uh, you know outright i think there are some flaws with crossfit's approach to tr- programming i think most people will accept that yeah but people get hurt bodybuilding they get hurt powerlifting they get hurt working with an unqualified personal trainer yeah so i don't think crossfit is necessarily disproportionately special in terms of you know injury rates i mean yes i think they're anecdotally there seems to be higher rates but sure. i'm not interested in criticizing crossfit for that crossfit has been a powerful force of getting more barbells in hands and and feet in gyms than almost anything else certainly i agree you know, our gym. and if someone thrives with crossfit mm-hmm. and gets healthier great wonderful if they get introduced with crossfit and they realize wait a second this shit's bullshit yeah and find their way to you know something that works a bit better for them that incorporates still you know barbell work it's just, it doesn't mean that they're doing some of the stuff that we, we might deem more risky but it keeps them in the gym and, it, and their lifestyle changes for the better then it's fine it was worth it along the way i think all of us have stumbled through phases of our lives especially very successful coaches oftentimes sure. our careers are the product of personal or lifestyle stumbles yeah that we found something that worked and then we became passionate about it to the point where you know we devote our lives to it to help other people yeah and that's i mean that that's how every beginner coach has to approach things they have to accept that they're going to kind of stumble their way into finding this this meaning as a coach and i like what you said about the whole uh, general injury thing it, it's 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 true in regards to anything anybody approaches that there there is a risk of injury and it's something that oftentimes people look at crossfit and just see that as the one thing you could get injured on but you're right all these other things and if you're going to the gym half-hazard you're not you're not doing the, these things the proper way you're going to hurt yourself it's 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 something I've never heard somebody say, you know, it's true though. And let's take it a step further as well. What's the alternative being afraid to step into the gym for fear of the potential to get hurt. Oh uh, yeah. You can be very, very careful mm-hmm. and, you know, have a great coach and still injuries can happen. Okay? Yeah. And God forbid it's anything serious. I mean, any serious lifter who's been doing this for any length of time has, is going to have some nagging stuff. Sure. You know, no matter your, your intention, especially if you're lifting really heavy and pushing your limits. Mm-hmm. The alternative is slow decay on the proverbial couch or quite literally <laughs> on, the, on couch. the couch. <laughs> yeah. And all of the negative long-term associated health risks that come with, dare I say it, obesity mm-hmm. for fear of being politically incorrect for the, for the type of people. Who That's just, true. That's true. So, yeah. If somebody it, could get offended. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't beat that drum too yeah. hard either. But at the same time, sometimes we have to, deal in truths and and and, and where the evidence is I agree. it's also not an excuse to actually ever be um unkind or mm-hmm. insensitive towards anybody who is struggling on that realm because yeah coaches having some coaches with their media have a nasty way of showing empathy for the person that they're ostensibly trying to serve and attract to their business yeah but cutting the shit you know if you don't you know, spend the time making your body stronger, mm-hmm. then eventually over time, you're dealing with weaker muscles, weaker joints, weaker bones. Uh, women, as they get older, especially are at higher risk of, um, you know, bone mineral density loss and osteoporosis. Sure. So it's, it's extraordinarily important that women, everybody, but women in particular, do something resistance-based to maintain uh, bone mineral density and just body strength. And 
longevity and quality of life correlate very heavily with retaining muscle mass as you get older. Sure. Sarcopenia, age-related muscle loss, once that starts kicking in, there's a very strong relationship with mortality there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, how, how do you communicate? I don't know what your clientele is, but if you have a woman who is afraid to do resistance training, how do you get them past the idea or the fear of bulking up? Because I know that's 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 huge. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that talked about it. You know, that's that's the big. Fear. I have a I have a quote from a long time ago that T Nation memed. Okay. To that effect, it's always <laughs> been very popular. Yeah. So there's a handful of things. Uh, first of all, despite the fact that fitness professionals, we know that women don't get yeah. massively muscular and, and super bulky looking True. just because they picked up a few weights, right? But mm -hmm. I, I always say about 75 to 80% of the women that I have interviewed over the last 10 years mm -hmm. to want to come and train with me, 75 to 80% of them have said in some way, shape or form that they didn't want to get bulky or get too muscular. So yeah. the myth still exists, at least emotionally, even if they intuitively understand that it can't happen they just mm -hmm. still feel compelled to say that to me for fear they could put on too much muscle sure and i and i recently shared a post by my friend susan niebergall who said the same thing i always use as an example look at all the young guys that are really working hard trying to eat a ton going nuts in the gyms trying to get bulky and they're not exactly getting there any you know anytime soon you know yeah. they're gradually improving some aren't you know, and, and a, a couple of guys got offended by that sentiment saying that we were shaming guys. I mean, come on. Seriously, <laughs> it's true. Though. Uh, it, it's an honest truth. I mean, a yeah. lot of guys work really, really hard to put on the, the muscle that they work for. Sure. You know, what makes a woman think she's going to just smell a set of dumbbells and all of a sudden she's going to have, you know, pro bodybuilder size traps. It's ludicrous. And part of the problem is imagery of, you know, female bodybuilders. And mm -hmm. again, I don't feel like it's, it's fair to malign people. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a tricky double standard here. And, yeah. and I like to put it this way. You know, Arnold Arnold has been open about his steroid use and various other pro bodybuilders as well. Sure. Others claim natural. And I, I remember an old pro bodybuilder named Gustavo Bladell. Okay. Him, he was enormous. I think he was like top three Mr. Olympia, maybe oh. 25 years ago. And I remember him like on a video quote saying all natural, bro. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Arnold or someone like Arnold were to say to young guys, oh, I'm all natural. That's good. Guys are going to be like, oh, cool. I could do that. Yeah. And they just flock with you. They're, they're, they're in the dumbbell racks going hard, trying to eat and grow. Sure. But when, you know, notable female bodybuilders, you know, physique competitors, and I won't name names. There's one I find particularly bad for this sort of thing mm -hmm. who professes to be natural, but clearly isn't. It's also, it's a pointless exercise in making accusations as to who is or isn't, but there sure. are certain cases where it's blatant and then screeches to the high heavens that they are a natural athlete. And, you know, some women would be like, cool, I would really love to, to work hard to, to look like that. But most of them are just gonna be like, God, no, I don't want to look like that shit. If that's what happens when you work out. Like, yeah. Hell no. And, and it, yes, it's a double standard. It's not a fair one, but you know, it, it's, it potentially sends women away from the gym. So hmm. yes, we have to defeat this myth, but it, it's better served by, you know, kind of making emotional humorous examples while showing women examples of that's cool women in the gym, like quite literally today, 
Mm -hmm. I happened to be training a young new client who wasn't super worried about it, but she's very, very tiny. Yeah. And nearby was one of my best friends, longtime close friend of mine, who has been working out very, very hard, dedicated, who looks fit, you know, a little bit of lean muscle, very feminine, but she's the furthest thing from what you would call bulky. Sure. And I point my friend out to my client and explained how hard she'd worked at this stuff. And my and I asked her, is like, would you be happy? you know, working up towards a physique like that. She's like, yeah, absolutely. Right. That's not too bulky for mm -hmm. her. And, and I explained to her the dedication, the time, the heavy lifting that went into creating that physique. And, you know, you could see that she felt at ease. So you create these real world, real life examples and women see this in action, or they see someone who has got a little bit of muscle, but looks phenomenal. Then they tend to put their minds at ease. And they realize pretty quickly, once you get them going that, wait a second, I'm not getting super jacked here. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 almost like something clicks, you know. That they start to do it, and and they see the the this missing piece of the puzzle that they had they had been neglecting for so long, and it's kind of like the the one thing that kind of spurs them into more progress. So it's it's true, it it gets strength them going. Training for, strength training for any woman or any person. Yeah, the single greatest thing they could do to improve their lives across the board in terms of their health, mm -hmm. in terms of the discipline and the change in how you go about the rest of the things you do in your life that will lead to cascade into other successes and, and discipline through other areas of your life. Now, you mentioned earlier, you said, you know, you talked about just the, the state of, of unhealthy, you know, just the world being unhealthy. And, mm -hmm. and what I've, I've come to find out, and I want to get your input on this, you know, when people go into the gym, I feel as though there is a sensitivity to movement. People insist, and this is kind of beyond the weightlifting aspect. It's it's more along the lines of they insist they can't do certain exercises. Like, oh, I, I cannot squat. I cannot deadlift. I cannot do certain things. Do you feel as though this this perceived sensitivity to movement is, is kind of one of the things that is preventing people from achieving their goals? If it is... Mm -hmm. And people come in with these preconceived notions. It's not within the population I'm dealing with. Okay. I know what you're describing, and I've encountered it a small handful of times. Yeah. Often it shows up as people letting you know, you know, okay, my knees bother me, you know, I got a lower back issue, something like that. And maybe they're a little bit fearful of loading it. Yeah. Usually fairly easy to teach someone how to perform a, a squat or, or other lower body movements once you understand the real nature of their um, you know, let's say if there's, there's knee problems, if they have a technical injury, like, you know, they've had a fully uh, surgically repaired, um, you know, ACL. Sure. Or if they just deal with patellofemoral, you know, mm -hmm. disorder. If you can get them to trust how to move because you know how to help that person move based on whatever's wrong, mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, that doesn't hurt. Usually that you can just alleviate that fear. Lower back stuff can be a little bit trickier. But again, you graduate people into things that should be really safe for them. You know, you got someone who's got a history of lower back stuff, you know, and, and who knows, right? Maybe you got someone who's got like a herniated disc. Okay, cool. You're probably not barbell deadlifting with them off the ground. Right? <laughs> True. But they're probably okay with a with a goblet squat. It's going to keep their core brace. That's going to keep their spine pretty neutral as long mm -hmm. as they move well. You coach them through it. And they come back and they go, okay, I feel pretty good. And all of a sudden you incorporate some safe core training stuff. You get some upper back stuff to make sure that they're strong there. Mm -hmm. You teach them good basic hinge patterns without loading them excessively. You you realize that they're moving 
they're, they're stable in their lower back mechanics. Mm-hmm. They're moving well with their hips. And over time, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I, my lower back doesn't bother me anymore. And again, if you have serious injuries, like say a herniated disc, well, you have to be very careful with that stuff. Exactly. You probably work in conjunction with a physical therapist. You know, don't step outside of your scope of practice. I'm not a big fan of that sort of stuff. Sure. But you get a lot of people just say, oh, yeah, no, I got lower back pain. <laughs> I, I found 90% of the time, the people who complain about lower back pain, it's just like you say, you give them the confidence to lift the straight form, the great form, mm-hmm. problem goes away. You make them move well at their hips and get their glutes stronger. You get their upper back stronger. You get their core strong. All of a sudden, bye-bye back problems. That's true. That's true. Do, do you, yeah. Do, do you think those, those preconceived notions extend to dieting when people say they're gluten-free or maybe dairy-free? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, I suppose it's sort of like a placebo effect, but the power of the mind, you, if someone's got it in their head that they're, they're sensitive to gluten, sure. there's arguments for, you know, you know, our gluten sensitivities real, uh, you know, non-celiac gluten sensitivity there, there's or intolerances. There seems to be some science to suggest that mm-hmm. it exists. It's probably nowhere near as common as people want to think, but if someone's got it in their head that, you know, they're intolerant to milk or, or wheat, and they start eating it, they're probably going to feel crappy, right? This just That's in their true. head. That's that true. Being said, maybe they are intolerant. Maybe it doesn't agree with them. Oftentimes, some of these issues are, are more like FODMAP problems where they're intolerant towards the, the various things that come under the FODMAP um, heading, including but not limited to sugar alcohols, just being okay. one of those. And it can be a really tricky process to eliminate the various food things to figure out what's really wrong. Um, you know, if someone's worried about you know, gluten intolerance or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I recommend that they actually talk to a doctor about it and, and you know, rule true. out celiac starters and then, you know, go to a qualified, you know, registered dietitian to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. I am PN certified in nutrition. I don't give meal plans and I will have a lot of conversation about nutrition because I've studied it extensively to have common basic nutrition discussions to help people get enough protein in their diet and sure. figure out meal timing and strategies that work for them to to you know get all kinds of things that are pretty basic and straightforward you know but I do not diagnose you know problems in people's nutrition sure. I do not prescribe nutrition to treat disease that's a big no no and I don't give meal plans I don't I'm not passionate about it and it's a lot of extra work <laughs> so I'd rather I'd rather deal with a professional you also have to know your jurisdiction I mean that's you know here in Alberta, Canada, it's not an issue, but if you're down in Florida, mm-hmm. Florida, I think is one of the jurisdictions that's a pretty firm and hard, no nutrition whatsoever for personal trainers. If someone is in Florida and listening and, you know, it, it can verify that or turn around and say, well, actually, here's a bit of nuance. Please click clarify that for me and, mm-hmm. and correct me on it, mm-hmm. you know, and varies from state to state and province to province uh, in North America, let alone the rest of the world. That's true. And you mentioned too, uh, from a general perspective, do you feel as though just the absence of protein or, or people are not eating enough protein generally? That's kind of the thing that, that we're missing as a population. It's one of the first things I go to. Okay. Both because I think most people probably don't get enough protein and because it's probably one of the easiest things to change mm-hmm. to give people easy wins. Then if you increase the amount of protein in most people's diets, protein is the most satiating filling True. macronutrient. So it's often on its own helps take care of over consuming, you know, carbs and fats. 
So that enough, that alone can be enough to get some people from maintenance into a deficit or from surplus, at least into maintenance, as you okay. tinker around the things. Most people don't do well with being overwhelmed by a lot of different changes. So sometimes the important thing to do is to get them in the gym, consistent, confident, working out. And we've all worked with a lot of clients that that alone, they just turn around and automatically improve their eating, took care Mm -hmm. of itself without any pressure. People just felt motivated to do it. Then you can layer in the lowest hanging fruit, the biggest rock, forgive my all the cliches. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) That you can turn over to get the most result with the least amount of effort. And again, eating more protein is usually one of those getting a little little more fiber in the diet is usually one of those drinking more water, getting rid of liquid calories. That's true. Is often a really important one. Right. And if you check all those boxes and someone's consistent with them, Mm -hmm. a lot of the time that'll fix a lot of the dietary issues. Sometimes it's more complicated than that. And you, you have people, I find people are kind of a combination of one of two things. Sometimes both they're either, snackers Mm -hmm. and they overeat during the days and they tend to eat overeat in the evenings on low quality foods Mm. or they tend to be pretty good during the week and then they just get fuck it mode on the weekend and they can in two and a half days once friday you know evening hits can undo any progress they made in four and a half really good days yeah and 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 you're right about that i think um yeah, it's kind of like the, this weird pattern of, of binge eating almost. People ha- maybe it's not just at night before they go to bed. It's dur- it's during the day. It's an overabundance of snackage. You know, it's like like what you said. You could look at it as you know subclinical, right? And sure. it's very very. You can't diagnose eating disorders. You got to tread very very carefully with this stuff. Definitely, but you know people have this notion that you either have an eating disorder or you don't. Well, that's technically true, or you know, the, the behavior is disordered eating versus not. Mm-hmm. These things are, are are sliding scales and spectrums. They're not hard, fast, yes, you're perfect, no, you have this problem. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, there's going to be people that probably wouldn't meet the, the diagnostic criteria of binge eating disorder, but still engage in, you know, binging behavior. Sure. I'm not an expert in that field, so I won't wander too far into it. No, 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 that's okay. No, I... I... I like what you said about that they're not being absolutes. You know, it's not just you, you are maybe within a range of some kind. I think it's it's an encouraging thing for people to hear. You know, it's it's almost you're giving there, there's outs. There's easy outs to all these things that they struggle with, you know, to a certain extent. So rather than just being absolutes, there are there are ways that you can pull yourself out of these things you probably find yourself in from a dieting perspective, you know? And it's important that, you know, I'm assuming that coaches listen to your podcast. It's yeah. super important. Coach, you don't overextend yourself outside of your scope. It's the mm-hmm. same thing when it comes to certain injury things. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us are not, you know, credentialed or have the formal educations that deal with eating disorders. And that stuff really does need to be treated walked around carefully. It's great if you have the kind of relationship with the trust of the client that they'll talk with you openly about it. Sure. But that's one of those areas where you can't diagnose it and you can't treat it. And you know, someone probably needs professional, you know, either, you know, a mental health professional or sure. a registered dietitian or potentially both to work on it if they want to work on it. Otherwise, just tread very carefully and just try to focus on what you can do to support them. 
is that is that one of the more major pitfalls that new coaches could fall into when they get into this field? I think coaches can find themselves in all kinds of pitfalls. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person. Yes, sometimes I think coaches can wander into territory that is off limits, that is either legally or ethically troublesome. Yeah. Or they're just totally outside their depth and unqualified too. Exactly. And, and I guess I, I'm betting that most of them are probably fairly well-intentioned. Sometimes they're just arrogant and they think they can fix it all. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, they'll tend to weed themselves up fairly fast. If anything, my guess is a lot of coaches would be very, very tentative. It's probably okay. more common for coaches to, you know, avoid any conversation about nutrition whatsoever out of either not knowing enough about it to feel confident talking about it or fear that they're somehow crossing over the line. Sure. And in fact, you have a lot of freedom, except like I said, maybe a place like Florida, you have a lot of latitude to have a lot of nutrition conversation, but just don't step in those obvious no-nos like prescribing nutrition to treat disease. Um, I would be very careful about nutrition and pregnancy, unless you okay. really know your shit there, you're, you're qualified there and certainly uh, dealing with eating disorders or creating meal plans. And it's, it goes back to the complaint about the influencer types. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've been around, I don't coach bodybuilders. I don't put people up on stage. I don't co coach powerlifters. Sure. Um, I'm, I work with general populations, young athletes, some older adults, but you know, within the bodybuilding coaching world, they're giving out meal plans left, right, and center. Sure. And a lot of them are giving out cookie cutter meal plans oh. that they're giving to all their competitors. It's, all the time. Common. Yeah. It's not complaining about a lot, but this stuff exists. These people also rarely have a formal education in nutrition or mm. training. Um, they're rarely certified. And their resume is entirely the fact they have, you know, competitive bodybuilding background. It's pretty much and it. I think yeah. along the way, a few of them learn and develop the skills to be able to do it well sure okay but a lot of them are, are not qualified to do this stuff but complaining about them doesn't make them go away calling for greater regulation in the industry doesn't make them go away they're going to do this shit anyway right that's they're true operate the way they've always operated they don't give a crap about a bunch of personal trainers complaining about them mm -hmm. and they are just simply going to exist so you can't regulate them or complain about them out of the industry so guess what do a better fucking job. It's true. So goddamn good at how you take care of your clients. Make sure your word of mouth is, you know, just keeps you busy all the time. Make sure that if you do engage in social media, that your social media is great. It is positive. It is empathetic. Awesome. Stop complaining and whining about the shit beyond your control. Yeah. Stop being jealous or envious of other people's success when you haven't necessarily worked at it yourself. And just ignore what the quote influencers are doing. Sure. Outside of learning from them anything valuable that you can still do with integrity wow no, that's that's perfect that's some that's some real sort of successful approaches to using social media because i man you know I, I think that's kind of the one of the tickets there is is you got to figure out especially if somebody's getting into the online training realm nowadays so many people have gone down that road everybody and their mother and so it's really tough to innovate within that space and create a social media account that sort of tackles a different area, you know, as far as what you're trying to do within that, that world. So it's, it's good. It's good advice. <laughs> it really is. Don't need to innovate. Yeah. You do not need to be innovative. Um, you just need to do the basics very, very well. Um, people, I mean, this is cliche, but mm -hmm. and I can't remember who originated this, but people don't 
people remember how you make them feel. There's another part to that quote. I love the that. most important thing is people remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And they can feel certain things through your media, through interpersonal interactions with them. If you do a really great job there, mm-hmm. you're probably always going to be fine and have lots of clients to work with. Wow. Wow. So it's, 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 it's make them feel special, make them feel desired, make them feel as though you're like, they are the people you care the most about in this world, essentially. Think about this. I mean, how many coaches listening have stressed out about not being busy enough, worried about where the next client's going to come from, have phases in your career when you were worried about, you know, being busy. Sure. Look at all the clients you have. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Think about that client in front of you. How goddamn grateful should you be, are you, for that person who is spending their money to spend that hour with you? Sure. They treat them like you're the luckiest person in the entire world. It's really not that hard to pour a ton of effort into it. You can definitely go the extra mile. Right now, you know, just like a couple of hours before this call mm-hmm. uh, here in Alberta, they announced that they're closing the gyms to the general population again. Oh one-on-one personal okay. training is still allowed, but you know, like my girlfriend's upset because you know, she's not going to be able to go to her gym. So I've told her, you know, she can use my basement gym. Sure. But it's not the same for her. And <laughs> I've got a bunch of clients who sure. uh, a couple of my guys are in Alberta, but they're online. One guy's in Calgary, one guy's out in Grand Prairie, right? Nearby cities. And so I immediately messaged them and I said, hey, I'm going to have your program ready for tomorrow for your home workouts again, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that, you know, I have to spend a couple of hours getting back to clients because some of my clients only train with me. Some do their own workouts, uh, you know, on our programs and then train with me maybe once a week or twice a week. Sure, sure. So I have to make sure I communicate with everybody. I have to update some programs. I have to make sure they're all taken care of. I am mm-hmm. so lucky I have these people. And yeah, I'm a little bit mentally fried from the announcement. And, sure. you know, I worked through the day. I have some work I was supposed to do anyway. I still have a workout I've got to get in. Oh, my God. But okay. I'd rather have this problem and take care of all these people than be frustrated because I'm not busy. I've gotten a few messages already, people looking to fit into my schedule because you can train with a personal trainer. I probably can't accommodate much more. I've got to make sure I take care of my existing clientele base. So I'm going to also see what personal trainer friends of mine who I trust have mm-hmm. availability. And I'm probably going to be connecting people who are looking just to stay in the gym sure. who don't necessarily need my skill set, who can probably work with a trainer that I know that costs less than I do per hour. Mm-hmm. And so that way, and then my trainer friends are a little bit busier as well, right? And sure, I, I feel very, very fortunate to be in that position. And I would rather maybe have a screwy night's sleep tonight. And I'm still pretty harsh about my boundaries, make sure I get sleep You're to sure. make sure all the other people in my world are well taken care of versus saying, sorry, guys, you're on your own. <laughs> that's true. But that's that's what it takes. At the end of the day, that's that's what uh, a trainer needs to give if they're going to get to your level, you know, your 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 busyness that you're dealing with right now which is incredible so yeah well mr andrew thank you i I won't i won't keep you any longer i know you got some stuff to get to and i'll just appreciate you for doing this with me it's been an honor truly i'm i I do have more time for you just didn't on the off chance but it's been um an honor to appear i really appreciate the fact no you thank asked. you so much yeah no that, that'd be awesome i'd love to have you on again if you wouldn't mind i'll probably uh i'll let you know real soon if that's okay with you so because i would i'd like to i'd like to pick your brain not, 
yeah, it's, it's not difficult to create a little bit of time okay. to monitor these sort of things because honestly, maybe somebody is hearing my, my ideas and philosophy for the first time. And again, I'm assuming that you have coaches and trainers who, who follow this. I do. I have, I, I, what it kind of appeals to it's coaches, trainers, and it's also people who kind of don't know where to begin (laughs) with their own lifestyle. So it's, it's, it's gathering all this information from people who've been in the trenches and know how to cultivate success, you know, like yourself. So I'll extend this, you know, should someone hear this and have a question, Mm -hmm. you know, be it about your career or anything else, um, you know, I'm most easily found on Instagram, so please message me there. Okay. I respond. I respond to everything. That's awesome. And you know, within reason and reasonable requests, I'm always, <laughs> uh, I'll always try to, you know, give some sort of answer that leaves someone feeling better, more well equipped to deal with whatever they're they're struggling with or whatever. Sure.